This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Just a reminder that Big Mood, Little Mood with Daniel M. Lavery happens twice a week. Slate Plus members get an additional mini episode or Little Big Mood every Friday. Sign up now to listen at slate.com slash mood. Welcome back to Big Mood, Little Mood. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery. And with me again in the studio this week is Kate Duffy, a New York-based licensed clinical social worker and a repeat guest on the show. Kate's back for more. Kate, welcome. Hi, it's so nice to be back. Thank you, as always, for allowing me to share this space with you. Absolutely. No, I'm so, so pleased. And I don't think that any of our questions today will draw upon your expertise outside of just generally thinking about how to treat ourselves and one another well, which I feel like is maybe a good thing. Because if it did draw upon your expertise, it would mean everybody was in worse shape than they are. Like they were requiring more intervention, more state assistance. And it's maybe a good thing that everyone's just trying to, you know, tweak relationships around the edges. Totally. I'll take it. Good. I'm glad. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Do you feel prepared to advise these people that we have before us today? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be. I'm a little over-caffeinated, which is like unusual for me. So I'm like trying to just calm my heart rate a little bit. But yeah, I'm generally feeling okay. I'm just really thrilled to be back. And yeah, it's just very special to be on the show again. Oh, I'm so pleased. What's over-caffeinated for you? Oh, God. it's I have like no caffeine tolerance anymore. Um, let's see. I've had like two very large cups of coffee, but my my caffeine tolerance has gone up and down because I had a baby like two years ago. So I was drinking mm-hmm. a lot of coffee when she was born and like none when I was pregnant. And then I tried to cut back once she was no longer an infant, but I've just like been playing around with how much coffee I can tolerate. And uh, I seem to have slightly overdone it today. So I'm just, try- I'm just trying to like keep up and trying to just or rather, like maybe keep, keep down. Less. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, probably keep down. <laughs> it's a tough. It's a tough feeling, and I never know if I'm over caffeinated in the moment. Like it's never like you're drinking that extra cup of coffee. Oh no, and no, think, no, this is tipping me over the edge. But my thing now is, I have one cup of tea in the morning. I have one cup of coffee about an hour after that. And that's pretty much it. Wow, it's, I admire that deeply. I should probably get back to to that level. I realize I'm making it sound like some great act of discipline. It's really not like. As, as, you know, uh, stoic or restrained as it sounds, it's just how it's shaken out because more than that, and I just end up losing my mind. Also, I take ADHD medication, so I'm like, it's just one cup of coffee and one <laughs> cup of tea and some stimulants. So, you know, it's, again, it's not like I wake up, have a glass of water and then do a bunch of stretches and just like experience my body. I'm on plenty. Yeah, you're not doing one of those like TikTok morning in my life where you're just like, calmly walking through your apartment and looking at your plants and, you know. No, I'm just listing my prescription medications for strangers for some reason. <laughs> well, I could do that too all day, so just let me know. Great. Okay, well, stick around towards the end and you can hear about what pills I take at night. <laughs> Spoiler, <laughs> one of them is a multivitamin. Whoa. Uh, so our first letter, I feel like, is a sort of beautiful encapsulation of a series of possibilities available to people, none of which are categorically wrong or categorically right. And yet, no matter what they choose, they're going to have to probably lose at least one person who's meaningful to them. And I think those are really interesting because yeah. this is a situation where you can do a lot of things, quote unquote, right, and still end up losing a relationship. And I think that's worth thinking about. So I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Although I will say, I think the subject line is being a little bit hard on themselves. Uh, But the subject is villain in a sitcom. My friend Dana started dating Jess a few months ago, and they seemed to get serious pretty fast. Dana was very open about falling hard for Jess and brought her to parties and one-on-one hangouts in our circle. 
We all liked Jess a lot, and she fit into any situation seamlessly. Things seemed to be going well, but Jess just broke up with Dana, saying she wasn't feeling the same serious connection. Jess also said to Dana that she wanted to ask me out and didn't want Dana to be surprised or wonder if anything had happened between us before they split. Dana is understandably hurt. Dana and I have been friends for three years, but I've actually fallen for Jess. We only got to know one another in a group setting, but she's made me feel really understood, and I feel like we have a meaningful emotional connection. I'd previously had to stop myself from texting her all the time, because so much makes me think of her. While she was my friend's girlfriend, I decided I'd have to back off until I got over what I thought was just a crush, but now all I can think about is how compatible we are. My friends assumed that I would never consider dating Jess and am mad at her for breaking up with Dana. But I'm not mad, and I really want to date her. We talked all night on the phone after they broke up, and Jess says she'll wait while I figure out what I want to do. Even though nothing's happened between us, I understand why my friends think that breaking up with one person to pursue their friend is a dick move. But I think she was honest and upfront with Dana first out of respect for her. I feel like we're all in a difficult position, and whatever decision I make, I'll hurt someone. Should I wait a certain amount of time and then see if Jess is still interested in dating me? Start dating her and hope that Dana and all our friends forgive me? I've never felt so strongly about someone, and we aren't even dating, which seems like a ridiculous reason to hurt my friends, but Jess felt strongly enough to put herself out there, and I do too. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think you were right in that this is uh, a situation in which there are a number of possible ways to handle it that I wouldn't say are right or wrong, but I think that there is a price for a lot of those decisions, and it's kind of a matter of weighing those prices and and what seems worth it to you. Um, mm-hmm. and it's it's just complicated. I agree with you. I think the the subject is a little. A little harsh. Um, I, I was tickled by it, like the villainous sitcom, but I don't, I don't really see it that way. Um, I think it's a lot more nuanced and complicated than just a sitcom situation, which oftentimes are very uncomplicated or silly. Yeah, um, but it's hard. It's a, it's a really difficult situation. Right. It, it is hard, and there's you know for good reason. When most people break up with someone they've been seeing, they don't usually. You know, especially if you've only been dating someone a couple of months, you don't usually stay close with that whole friend circle. So the sort of complicating issue there too is if you were to start dating Jess, then there's not just the question of how this might affect your relationship with Dana, but you say that the rest of your friends have have made the assumption that you are mad at Jess too. And so I think there's that sort of fear of, I'm not just going to potentially lose Dana if I go out with Jess, but it's possible everyone in the group will either explicitly or implicitly turn on me for doing so, and I might lose an entire social circle. Yeah, absolutely. And it did seem to me like the letter writer is at present really leaning pretty strongly towards, I want to go out with Jess. Like the language here certainly was concerned about how it might look as well as how it might affect Dana. But it, at least when I was reading it, it seemed much more heavily weighted in, I'm leaning towards doing this. I really want to do this. It would require a lot to not go after the relationship. Did that seem right to you? Yeah, I got I got a similar impression. I mean, I I think it's pretty obvious, you know, from what is said here that um, Jess and the letter writer have an incredibly strong connection. Um, and it's tough because I do think that it was, you know, good at least that Jess was upfront with Dana about the situation and how she feels mm-hmm. um, and that you know, that she was able to say to her, honestly, like, this is what's going on and and wanting to just sort of make it really um, explicit so that there isn't a question about, you know, what could have been going on behind her back or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that the letter writer is certainly leaning towards wanting to date this person and is trying their hardest to figure out what is the best way that I can do that and minimize the damage to you know, Dana and to the rest of that friend group. And I think that there are a number of different ways that this could shake out. And it's really about like weighing the cost and benefit of of all those decisions. You know, you've been friends with Dana for, you know, three years. You've known Jess for a couple of months. Is that something that is of more value to you? The fact that you've been friends with Dana for 
longer or that you have this history with her, does that have an impact on you rather than, you know, someone that you recently met? Is it that, you know, you feel so strongly about Jess that you're willing to take the risk that that might impact your relationship with Dana or with, um, you know, your friends or maybe with everyone? Will that cause you to lose the friendships? Maybe. Would it maybe damage the relationships? Maybe. And I think that your best way out of this, and I don't mean out of this like you can magically solve it and make it that everyone is happy, but I think that, you know, just like Jess has been honest with Dana, I don't think at all that it's a bad idea for you to also be honest with Dana um, Mm -hmm. and to tell her really clearly, like, look, this is not something I, you know, foresaw happening. Like, I was not pursuing this relationship when you and Jess were together. I was not in any way, like, trying to make something happen there. I thought that this would pass. I thought that maybe my feelings would change. um, Mm -hmm. And they have not. And I want to put it out there because you mean a lot to me. Uh, but this is this is how I'm feeling. And not to put it on her like she has to solve the problem for you or give you permission to date Jess or bestow upon you like the forgiveness if you choose to do that. But But rather because I think that if this is a meaningful and important friendship to you, it's worth it to be honest about how you're feeling. You're not going to get anywhere by pretending that this isn't happening, trying to obviously date Jess without having people find out, you know, that way is, I, I don't think it's going to do you any favors. I think that's really dead on. Um, I, I almost wonder, you know, I, I sort of wish Jess had written in right before breaking up with Dana. Cause I go a little back and forth on like, it sounds to me like there's like lesbian processing is at play here. It sounds like Jess is probably somebody who airs on the side of more scrupulous honesty than otherwise, which is usually a pretty good thing. But I do go a little bit back and forth on like, was it a good idea in the breakup conversation with Dana to say, by the way, I plan out like I plan on asking out one of your friends? Because again, on the one hand, I can I can appreciate how for Jess it felt really important to be really honest. And I can also understand how maybe that wasn't actually the best time to say that, especially because you don't yet know if someone's gonna say yes. So I think. I don't know. I don't have necessarily a great idea for whether or when to say something like that to someone you've just broken up with. So I think that, you know, the useful stuff here is it makes a lot of sense that Dana is hurt. Um, I appreciate that it doesn't seem like Dana has said anything like, I feel that I should be able to forbid you from doing something uh, or I have sort of like ownership on whoever Jess dates after me. So it seems like Dana kind of has her head on straight and isn't trying to make demands on an ex. But it also really, really makes sense that even though this was a relationship of only, say, two to four months, that she felt quite seriously about Jess. So this wasn't just, hey, we went out a few times, didn't work out, no hard feelings. This was a real heartbreak for her. Um, This is like a real grief that she wants to mourn and she feels really sad. And so there's kind of two things at play here. One is, you know, if you do start dating Jess, that's going to hurt Dana for the sort of obvious reasons, but it also means that you're not going to be able to be there for Dana in her, you know, post-breakup support network in a way that you might otherwise. That's not necessarily to say, don't do it, help her vent about Jess, and then six months later say, by the way, I just mean it's useful to kind of game that part of the process or think about it before it happens. Like, that's a real thing that you'll lose out on with Dana that's not just, oh, I'm not allowed to date her ex because she called dibs, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and that might already have been kind of inevitable, right? Like if, if Dana already knows that Jess wants to ask you out and is already hurt by that, she might already feel like, rightly or wrongly, well, I don't want to talk to the letter writer about how sad I am about the breakup now because she brings up feelings of, you know, jealousy or inadequacy or sadness for me. Um, so in some ways that ship may have already sailed. And I think um, that was a really good point that you made about not putting Dana in a position where she has to either like grant you absolution or offer you any sort of like make a decision for you or say like, I'm okay with this decision. And so really, I think it's useful to to think about in advance, um, what can I own in my conversation with Dana? And if that is, I want to start dating Jess and I'm going to do that. I understand that that might change our friendship. And if it does, I will be sad, but I will respect your decision. That might be kind of harsh, but also fair. 
Um, and if you do that, as long as you're prepared to just have that conversation with Dana and then sort of follow her lead, if she says, I need a little time before I'm up for hanging out, or I want to be okay with this, give me a little time and I will be, or this makes me really mad. I don't want to talk. I, I could imagine her having any of those reactions. Um, if you're prepared to, you know, give her that space and even prepared for the possible loss of that friendship, I think that's probably the next right thing to do. I just also then think you'll probably need to find a way to briefly let your other friends know. Again, you don't have to go around having a deep heart to heart with everybody or ask for them to agree with your decision. But I think just to say, you know, something you said in the past made me think you'd assumed that I felt this way about their breakup. I actually don't. Um, I understand why Dana's really hurt. And obviously that's really painful. But I think Jess was honest and that Jess and I have a connection and I want to pursue that. And again, some people might be like, wow, that's intense, but I understand. Go for it. And some people might say, wow, I, I really judge that. I don't like it. And just be prepared for a multitude of possible reactions. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I think that the the question of, you know, the letter writer says, like, should I wait a few months or should I wait a certain amount of time and then see if Jess is still interested in dating me? I mean, you can. You can do that. I don't necessarily know if that would make things better because it sounds like Dana, like Danny said, is already aware, um, you know, that Jess is interested in you. It sounds like the friends are already aware that that's the case. I think that if this is a relationship that you feel incredibly strongly about um, and you really want to pursue, I don't think that waiting is going to make anything better. If anything, I think it's going to just cause you more distress and just kind of have this thing hovering over you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, only you can decide if if this is a relationship that you feel like is worth potentially having these friendships be jeopardized. Um, but I, I think that from my perspective, the best thing that you can do is to, you know, be really upfront with Dana, be prepared for, like Danny said, a multitude of reactions that she might have, be prepared for a multitude of changes that this might involve with your relationship and understand going in, like, what are you prepared to potentially lose? What are you prepared to own? What are you prepared to apologize for, if anything? And just sort of like what what you want to get out of the conversation as best as you have control over that because you don't have full control over it. Um, and with the friends, yeah. too. I mean, I, I think Danny's advice is really sound. Like, you know, you can be really honest. You don't owe anyone, uh, you know, a a whole like 50 minute conversation about like what you did or did wrong, the litigation of like what you're, if what you're doing is acceptable or not, you know, you need to own the decision that you're making if this is something that's worth it to you. Again, you know, this is obviously a very important relationship to Dana. I mean, it sounds like it was a short lived but intense relationship where there were real feelings there um, and real heartbreak and loss in the, you know, the wake of the breakup. But I would feel very differently about this situation if Jess were a longtime partner who you had known for years, if they were, you know, let's say you met them at the same time and they were living together or there was like a deep-seated long-term relationship. That would be a different story. And I think I would have maybe different thoughts about that. But I think that, you know, this is a situation in which your friendships might change. You don't know how your relationship with Jess is going to go. You don't know how long you're going to be together. You can't have the answer to that now. But it sounds like you feel really strongly about this person and you want to pursue a relationship. Um, you know, everything that I'm reading from this letter is very much telling me that this is what you want, that you want to be with Jess. And I don't think that waiting six months or whatever is going to really change that. It sounds like this is something that you want and you're mm -hmm. going to have to figure out what you're okay with potentially losing. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. You know, again, as you say, it's sad and it's painful and it's tough when you've been with someone for a few months and you feel really strongly and they kind of realize that they don't. But I do think Jess did the right thing in once she realized that she actually was developing feelings for somebody else and didn't reciprocate Dana's more serious feelings. She ended it. I'm not 100% sure on whether or not it was the right thing in that moment to say, and I'm going to ask out your friend soon. Yeah, totally. But again, that's not up to me, so we'll just leave it aside for now. So I guess I think the biggest thing I want to caution the letter writer against is if you want to do something, it's really important not to do it and pretend that you're not. So, you know, you say, 
I know I'll probably hurt someone no matter what I do. Should I wait a certain amount of time and then see if Jess is still interested? That I would caution you against just because, especially since they already had that conversation during their breakup, it's not as if Jess just broke up with her, didn't mention it, and then a few weeks later said to you, by the way, I've thought about asking you out. And then you decided whether or not you wanted to have that conversation right then or give it a little more time. This is, it's already all out there. And I want to go out with her now. She called me as soon as she broke up with Dana. We've already established we both have feelings for each other. It's really hard, I think, to put the cat back in the bag at that point. Once you've both had the like late night phone call, I'm crazy about you. I'm crazy about you. You hang up first. Like it's pretty hard to say like, okay, see you in three months. (laughs) Um, And on top of that, I don't think that in three months, Dana would then feel amazing about it. So the whole like waiting to see if everybody kind of moves on from it. I mean, again, don't start going out with Jess and then in two weeks ask everybody to meet up with you for a big group hang, certainly. But no, I, I don't think that would get you the things that you want. I think the the most important thing to do is just let Dana know what you're going to do before you do it. Um, again, you don't have to give her the blow by blow of every time you and Jess talk or like walk through all your feelings with her, but just like a quick check in and, you know, make it clear that if she needs space, you will give her that space. You hope that someday you'll all be able to hang out together. And again, like, even though she felt strongly, it was only a few months. I I also hope that she can like take her time, mourn the breakup, move on. Maybe not the three of you are going to go on vacation together every year, but that you'll be able to like work your way back into seeing one another, sharing mutual friends in a way that doesn't feel like everyone else has to protect Dana's hurt feelings and be mad forever because she got dumped. Like it's sad she got dumped, but that's also what happens in dating. Um, And especially when the alternative would have been like lying or cheating or pretending to reciprocate her feelings. I do really credit Jess with her honest decision. And I think that's a good way to handle a difficult situation in a lot of ways. So I really do hope people can come around and I don't think that you're contemplating doing anything wrong, just, you know, uncomfortable and with not great timing. But th- that's it. I think I've, I've sort of said the same thing a few times now. So I, I think that's the end of my advice here. Yeah, totally. I think it's it's a messy situation and there's no way around uh, hurt feelings uh, to some degree. Like that that's mm-hmm. just never going to happen. Um, but I think that as long as you are being upfront as long as you're not lying or sneaking around or like dating Jess and pretending you're not and then Mm -hmm. surprising people six months later. I mean, I think that would be the worst thing that you could do in this situation. I think if you want to date Jess, then it's a it's a tough thing that might hurt people's feelings, but it's also, I think, a a fairly reasonable situation. It's just messy and and relationships are messy and friends are messy and you know, this stuff happens. Right. And we don't always like the people who like us and we don't always like the people who like us in the exact same amounts and um oftentimes when we go through a breakup where we feel really sad the other person feels really relieved that's sort of the unequal distribution of heartbreak that is endemic to breakups and that's just part of the human condition and there's no way around it so you know i just really feel for everyone involved good luck to everybody and definitely if you can write back with an update in a few months because i would love to know how everyone's doing deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I feel like our next letter was tough because it involved a, a challenging mix of you know, my friend acted in certain ways that genuinely like hurt my feelings and was rude. And I'm also pretty concerned about their physical and mental health. And that's such a tough mixture. It is so hard to find a way to like bring to someone both, you've hurt my feelings and I'm worried about you. Cause it, it's just often, you know, without intending to can turn into a like difficult or off-putting mix that may pe- make people defensive. So I think it'll be good to help this letter writer kind of prioritize what what do they want to address most or foremost and then try to do triage after that. So the subject is anemic friendship. I recently went on a trip with my wife and a few friends. One friend in particular, Freya, I used to be very close with when we lived in the same town, but haven't seen much of since I moved away last year. I was excited to see her and to catch up. Freya is vegan and has shared with me that she feels, quote, very sensitive around people eating meat. She's also struggled with disordered eating, her words, uh, and has had a lot of serious health problems as a result, including hospitalization and the loss of her period. I used to be vegan too and have recently transitioned to an omnivorous diet. I was somewhat nervous to disclose this to her, although I didn't think it would be a huge issue or that being vegan was our core bond. Freya seemed irritated and withdrawn throughout the trip, I don't know if that's because she was mad at me or if there was something else going on. She'd often isolate herself, sitting in a corner on her phone, not really engaging with anyone for a good portion of the trip. She'd make passive-aggressive and sometimes aggressive comments about other people's meals. For instance, at one point we were watching TV when a commercial for milk came on and she yelled at the screen, fuck you, I want to kill you. Another time she said to a member of the group in reference to a survival show where someone had hunted a wild animal, you eat meat. At least I can respect someone killing their own food instead of paying someone else to do it. It was palpably awkward, and I know she hurt our friend's feelings. Besides that, and more importantly, she looked gaunt and had really dark circles under her eyes. I suspect her disorder is getting worse and couldn't help but notice that she barely ate anything, even though there were always lots of vegan options. Part of me is angry for how she behaved and wants to let her know she hurt my feelings, but a bigger part of me is really concerned for her. I don't know if it would be helpful to say anything or if it's any of my business. I'd appreciate any perspective. Yeah, this made me really sad. Yeah, you know, I think while you always want to be careful about monitoring how much another person is eating on like a trip and then making a lot of assumptions from that, um, I think the letter writer's concerns here make a lot of sense. And if I were in that position, I would probably also have some concerns about my friend's well-being. I don't know how recent any of Freya's hospitalizations were. I don't know if she's ever gone into treatment for her eating disorder or if it was just hospitalization for some of the symptoms and then back to trying to handle it on her own. So uh, I'm really not sure, like, does she have a therapist right now? Um, Has she completed any treatment? Is she like totally untreated? And I, I just didn't have any way of, of knowing, really, based on this letter. So I guess I just wanted to start with that. There's a lot of unknowns here. Yeah, absolutely. I think where I want to start with this is I, I, don't, I don't want to in any way suggest that like the letter writer is responsible, either for Freya's sometimes pretty rude behavior or for Freya's general disordered eating. So I want to make that really clear. I'm not saying like, oh, you brought this on yourself because you didn't do X, Y, or Z before the trip. But I do think based on this letter that the letter writer maybe missed an opportunity or two 
to make things a little bit easier. I'm wondering if you noticed this too. It sort of seemed to me, and I'm not 100% sure on this, that the letter writer saying I was somewhat nervous to disclose this to her, although I didn't think it would be a huge issue, means that the letter writer didn't say to Freya, I'm not vegan anymore until they went on the trip. Mm. Did you get the same read from that? Or do you think that's making too many assumptions? It's it's hard to say, but I re- like rereading that sentence. I get that impression that maybe this was not a conversation that happened preemptively, and I you know I struggle with that too because it's kind of like well it's it's not really your job to like tell someone ahead of time like there may be exceptions to that if you have like a life threatening allergy or something sure. you want people to be like mindful of, but generally speaking, if you make a decision to change something about your diet that is not going to somehow impact other people or make it so that you could have like a life-threatening health issue you know it it's you don't you don't owe that to her to have that conversation ahead of time but it sounds like it it does sound to me like the letter writer was very reluctant to express this ahead of the trip and then maybe like Freya saw them eating meat or eating eggs or whatever and then like that caused, uh, and again, not that that is in any way the letter writer's fault, but that that might have caused her to freak out a little bit because she was not aware of that information. And it sounds like this is a, an incredibly triggering thing for her, you know, and and you say like, you know, the being vegan wasn't our core bond. And, you know, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I would I would hope that that's not the core bond that you have with people. I mean, certainly, you know, people have connections to friends for a lot of reasons. And, you know, veganism can be a, a huge through line for friendships and a, a source of connection and, and um, you know, mutual understanding of the world and the way that you operate in your life. But, you know, what what your friends eat should should definitely not be the, the core bond that you have, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think there probably the important distinction is, of course, like her veganism in, in Freya's case sounds in some ways bound up with her disordered eating, which is not the same thing as saying uh, being vegan like pushes you in the direction of disordered eating or is necessarily the same thing, just that her disordered eating is connected to her veganism, which again, just really want to stress, doesn't mean it can't be a meaningful ethical stance for her or a real value, um, just that in, in a friend who was also vegan but didn't in their own words, have a history of disordered eating that had led to hospitalizations. That might have been the case. You might have just mentioned it casually on the trip, or they might have kind of appreciated a heads up just so they could know not to talk to you about it in the same way. Um, But it wouldn't necessarily have been much more than just a sort of shift you could have both accommodated. So here, I think it's more the question of not, oh, you were really wrong to plan a trip with your friend who has a history of disordered eating, maybe more just like, you sort of hoped for the best or there was like maybe an element of, I don't want to say wishful thinking because again, I don't really think that the letter writer did something wrong. Just it's tricky to know. I want to travel and see my friend. I also know she has a history of disordered eating. It's unclear how much treatment she's gotten for that outside of hospitalizations. And it's tough to talk about. It's tough to say to someone, hey, we're going to be traveling together. How, how are you feeling? Like, is it going to be okay to get group meals out? Um, that's, you know, obviously that's, that's very private for a lot of people. And especially when somebody is either trying to be in recovery from disordered eating or in the throes of it, you know, it it could be like really delicate and difficult to say, how are group meals for you? So I, I really don't fault the letter writer for not knowing how to bring that up in advance. I just think it might be helpful. I hope you and Freya can work through a lot of this. And that's not to say don't ever invite her out on trips again in the future, just that if you do ever want to take a trip again or or go out in a group again, you might need to have some kind of conversation ahead of time. And, And that doesn't have to mean you like lay down the law or say like you're doing this or that wrong. Just like I've noticed in the past group meals have been really hard. Would you rather we like schedule our time together when we go see a movie or when food isn't like the primary focus or how did that go for you? You can even ask the question, right? Of just like, how did that feel for you? Because it seemed difficult and uncomfortable, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. And I wonder if that was your experience too. Um, and that might yeah. give you some insight. Does that make sense? I feel like maybe starting with, Freya, I feel like that trip in some ways was really hard. And I wanted to know how you're doing and if there was something that I missed. Because um, I noticed that there were times when you were 
seemingly wanted to be off by yourself and I didn't know how to reach you. I didn't want to impose upon you or tell you that you had to focus or be with us, but I did notice it and it did make me sad. And I wonder if there's something we could do differently in the future so that you felt more, you know, safe or comfortable. And you can do that while having the line of like, that will not include like other people are going to stop sometimes eating animal products or, you know, it's okay to say, I'm going to kill you to the TV. But that does leave room for, you know, somebody in the throes of like disordered eating who's not in treatment is probably going to say some messy stuff sometimes. And that doesn't mean it's okay or fine, but it will be helpful to add a little forbearance. Like she's not well, you know, like she's saying that because her sickness is got the upper hand at the moment. And I think some forbearance is going to be useful to you. That was a lot for me. I'm going to take a breather. No, I, I I think all of that is really spot on. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought up the, it sounds like the sort of messiness around her veganism and the ties to her eating disorder. And again, I also want to put a disclaimer out that like, I'm not accusing people who are vegan of like being vegan for that reason or that they're necessarily trying to restrict food or anything like that. There are so many reasons people are vegan. Being vegan is, you know, a, a thing that many people do. It is something that is great if that's what you choose to do. I'm not knocking that at all. However, it is also very true that oftentimes people who are in the throes of an eating disorder, um, there is a connection between eliminating certain food groups and an eating disorder. Um, I actually have personal experience with that. I'm a survivor of anorexia. I was being vegetarian and vegan for periods um, for many years had to do with my eating disorder. Again, that's not to say that that's the case for everyone but Freya herself has named that she struggles with disordered eating, you know, and just all the information that was provided in this letter, it really, really seems to me like Freya is not doing well. You say she looked gaunt. She had dark circles under her eyes. She was withdrawn. She was isolating herself. Um, those are all like really classic signs that someone is in the throes of something really pretty serious with an eating disorder. And certainly if she's been hospitalized in the past and she's lost her period, um, again, of course, I don't know this person. I'm not going to speculate on a diagnosis or what is going on. And like Danny said at the top of this letter, it, it's tricky when you start monitoring what people are eating. That can get really messy and that does not go well for a variety of reasons. However, I, I think it is important to recognize that eating disorders, particularly anorexia or restrictive eating disorders, people are really not in a mind space where they can meaningfully engage with people all the time. They're incredibly isolating illnesses. You know, speaking from my own experience, when I was in the throes of that, like I was not a great person to be around. I was totally withdrawn I was 100% like just pissed off, angry at the world, didn't want like anything to do with anyone. All I could think about was my eating disorder. That was my entire life for a good year at least. So I say that to say that not that what she was saying was okay. It's not okay that she was yelling fuck you at the TV or like making nasty comments to someone about, you know, whether or not they eat meat. Like none of that was cool and it doesn't and all of that is to say is that people are not on their best behavior um, when they are in the throes of a, an illness like this. It is a very complex, harrowing disease. And it has incredible physical ramifications, but it also has deeply, deeply haunting emotional, spiritual, mental ramifications. So again, I don't mean to armchair diagnose or say that she's definitely in whatever illness, but it sounds like you you understand that she's not doing well. I think that your instincts are really spot on. Um, I also think that it sounds like this person is not doing well. And that doesn't mean that you have to give her a free pass to say nasty things. It doesn't mean that you have to just let her say whatever she wants and not gently call her out or say to her, like, I didn't like that you said that. Or, you know, I'd rather not talk about what I'm eating. I'd rather not talk about veganism. I'd rather not hear your thoughts on, you know, what I choose to eat today. Um, that's a perfectly reasonable boundary to set. And I I didn't get the the sense from this letter that 
that was something that was maybe said in the moment. I mean, you say like your friend, it was palpably awkward. The friend seemed really hurt by the comments that Freya made, but I I didn't get the sense that this was something that in the moment was being said to her, like shutting down those conversations. And I think that we really need to separate these two things because I think if you go into a conversation with Freya, you really, I think, need to lead with the concern that you have for her and not... And also, you were really nasty on vacation. Right. Because I just don't think that that's going to get you anywhere. I don't think that that's going to be productive. And I don't say that to say you should just give her a free pass and she can say whatever she wants. And, you know, you just have to let her say nasty stuff because she's ill. But just that I think for everyone, like, there's no winning in that conversation if those things are intertwined. I think you really need to just start with, you know, I need to be honest. I'm worried about you. I noticed you know, and and again, I wouldn't I wouldn't lead with um, I noticed you weren't eating or you, you know, you were choosing not to eat even when there were vegan options, but rather like I noticed that you seemed really tired. You seemed really withdrawn. You seemed like something was bothering you. You seemed like you didn't want to talk to people. And I I just want to let you know, like, I'm here for you. I wanna know if you're willing to talk about anything. I want you to know that I'm here, um, that I wanna offer you support. How are you doing? What is your what does your routine look like right now? Are you seeing a therapist? Do you feel like you have enough connection during the day? Yeah. It sounds like she's a friend that you, you know, you were close with previously and and since you moved away, you haven't seen her as much. So it sounds like, you know, your connection with her is not as strong as it used to be. But I think approaching her with curiosity rather than this is, you know, this is what you did that pissed me off and also you're not eating. You are just, that is a, that's a losing game. Um, that's a fool's errand. I really agree. I think that uh, in this conversation, it will not be helpful to bring up the fact that you noticed she wasn't eating very much, not because it's not true, but because you don't yet know how she's going to respond to any of this. Um, and it's possible that if she would be possibly receptive to somebody like lovingly saying, you seemed really upset a lot of the time and that made me really sad and I want to know if there's more I can do to help and if you're getting help that you need, that she might instead feel monitored or surveilled if you added, and I noticed, you know, what your mealtimes looked like. So I think you have plenty of other stuff to address. And so, yeah, I think that also means you could have, this is not to like armchair quarterback, but like, I think it would have been okay on vacation if when she had either like yelled at the TV to say like, hey, that's a little extreme why don't we try doing something else besides watching TV? Or if when she said that at dinner, you could have kind of done the like lightly diffuse, but also lightly reprimanding of like, I think this is getting a little heated. Let's talk about something else. Or I don't think you need to uh, spend all your time hunting and gathering for yourself in order to like live. Um, You know, there's a number of ways that you could have said like, I disagree. I don't think that's a reasonable thing to say that would have been totally okay. Um, and would not have been like unreasonably angry or like over the top or like saying, well, you have it, you know, you have this, uh, that, that that would have been an okay thing to add. But I think, yeah, to lead with a little vulnerability on your own end will help you. So I think to maybe start with, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you about this. I was thinking back on like the lead up to our vacation. And one thing I just really want to check in with you is if there's something that I've done, um, to hurt you. Like if I've been avoidant or distant or if it hurt your feelings that I didn't talk to you about my change in my diet before the trip, like I, I would love to know that because I don't want to hurt you. That And that doesn't mean anything she says you have to agree with and say like, yes, I owe you details on changing my diets. So maybe not even like bringing up that part, but just to ask like, did you feel like I've disappeared? Was there something that I did to make you feel isolated? Because I want to know. That gives her room. It's not just you saying like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're doing things wrong. It's also like, I care about our friendship. I want to be close to you. Um, and I want to know if I can do anything differently. And then, yeah, stress the like, you seemed really agitated and irritable on our trip. I wanted sometimes to ask you how you were doing, but I didn't want to put you on the spot. But it just seemed like you really hated being there. And I'm concerned. And yeah, I think stressing like the tiredness, the distance, and and maybe the like intensity of some of her comments about how other people were eating. Like you don't have to like go into detail or say like you said a bunch of really fucked up stuff. Just like you said a couple of pretty intense things about what other people eat in a way that really took me aback and and made me worry. Um, and again, 
you can do all this really well and she might still have an initially defensive reaction. That's understandable. And at that point, I think the best move is just to say, I hope you'll give this some thought. I, I don't say any of this because I want to like berate you or talk down to you. And if you want to talk about this later when we've both had a little time to think about it and reflect, I'm open to that. Um, so that you give her like some space to maybe have a different reaction in a day or two instead of just what she feels in the moment. But I really hope she can hear you out. Yeah, I, I, all that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I agree. I, I mean, I think that unfortunately, no matter how you approach the conversation or what your lead in is or what the, you know, the content of what you're actually saying is, there's a good chance that she might still get defensive or she might not be in a place where she's willing to have the conversation. Because I think a lot of times when you're in the midst of an eating disorder, any like perceived sniffing around of that, like you can smell when someone is like trying to use other language and they're not, okay, this person's not going to talk about my eating, but they're going to say, you seem tired or you seem irritable. Like what you're saying. Exactly. Yes. And, and so I think regardless of how careful and um, loving you, you are when you approach her about this, she still might not be receptive to it. She still might be really angry. Um, she might get defensive. She might, you know, bring up the the vegan stuff again. Like, it, and if that's not a conversation that you're comfortable having, like, you know, I don't, I would hope she's not going to start attacking you about, you know, your choice to start uh, having an omnivorous diet. But if if that does happen, you can also set a boundary with her and say, look, this is a choice that I made. Um, I I don't feel like I need to justify my choice to, you know, eat dairy or eat meat or whatever. Like that's a personal decision that I've made. And I really would like if you could please respect that. You don't have to agree with me, um, but I'm not going to make this a, a topic for debate. Um, and that's it. You don't need to get into a debate with her about it. It's not appropriate for her to be, you know, making everyone in her life feel like shit because they eat differently than she does. But regardless, I mean, I, I really get the sense that this person is struggling so significantly. And I think that any amount of, you know, compassionate um, bringing up of just what you're noticing other than the eating stuff and just making it really clear to her that you care about her, you want to hear how she's doing, you're willing to listen to her. Um, and like Danny said, too, that you're if you're willing to be vulnerable with her and, and ask some questions about her perception of your relationship, you know, is there something that maybe happened that she perceived as a slight or that she was upset about? Again, it doesn't mean that, you know, she's totally right and you're totally wrong. This is a really like nuanced and complicated situation. Um, but it sounds like this is someone who you do really care about. You do really value this person. Um, and she's going through a really uh, terrible situation at this point. And I just think to me, this just reads like someone who is in the depths of anorexia or another restrictive eating disorder who is just not doing well. Um, like Danny, you said the eating disorder has the upper hand. I think that's really what's happening right now. Um, and again, I want to stress, it does not mean that she has license to just verbally harass people or say whatever she wants or make people, you know, say nasty things about what people are eating. That doesn't give her permission to do that, but it might help explain what she's going through and give some context. Because I think that, again, when you are in the middle of something like that, that is your life. That is the only thing that you are consumed with is your eating disorder. And it is exhausting and it's isolating and it's just monotonous. It's cold <laughs> physically and mentally. It's just a really dark place. And I think that your friend is in a really dark place. Yep. And all that, you know, at least you know, you don't live in the same city, so it doesn't sound like you're going to be going on another vacation together anytime soon. I think it's also fine for you to kind of just privately decide like, all right, we're not up for another group vacation with her anytime in the near future. That's not the same thing as she's not my friend anymore. I'll never see her again. And it's also okay for you to have this conversation and still decide, you know, I'm going to stick to seeing her at places that are generally not group dinners. That's also a reasonable boundary for you to have for yourself. And you do have the advantage of she's at least said to you at least once in the past that she understands she has disordered eating. That's not the same thing as a diagnosis or a commitment to recovery. But that does, to me, that also gives you a little bit more grounds to have this conversation. You're not bringing, I mean, 
she's she's already broached the subject with you at least once. Um, and that doesn't that's not to say like you have a license to like for the rest of her life be like, I noticed your lunch. Um, but that's not what you're doing here. You're you're expressing real concern about her ability to, you know, be around other people. And um, yeah, I wish you so, so, so much luck, letter writer. And certainly if you have your own therapist that you want to talk to about this or kind of get any more sort of like basic information uh, about eating disorders from like any kind of like, I assume there's like a national eating disorder network that you can look up and like get a little bit of, you know, more specific tips about how to have conversations like this one. I don't know what it is offhand, so I can't tell you a hotline number or website, but I imagine such a thing does exist. And and anything that's more targeted or specific than just a general advice columnist, please do also take advantage of. Kate, thank you so much for joining us once again on the show. I don't want to take up too much of your time, and I realize we've already gone over. Thank you, as always, uh, for being so thoughtful and present with us, and I hope we get to have you back on the show again soon. Thank you so much. It is really just a thrill to be here, as always, and thanks for having me back. I'd love to come back again soon. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice or conversations with our guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe you need some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. And here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. Because she did it in such a foolish way, when your presentation had already been made publicly available, you'd already been praised for it, like that's what makes me think it's possible this was thoughtless, naive, rather than intentional, calculated. Because if it was intentional and calculated, she did a very bad job. Like if you want to sneakily plagiarize from somebody, you do it before they've given their own presentation, you cover your tracks. This is like a little kid walking into the kitchen to steal cookies from the cookie jar and covering their own eyes and being like, if I can't see my parents, they can't see me. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash mood. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.